Welcome to the FPL Blues Podcast. I'm Bucks, joined as always by my West Coast brother from another. How you doing, Brian? What's good, Bucks? We're here to talk about the forwards, and I'm looking forward to it. Let's get those goals. Let's break them down. Yeah, so on this preseason episode, we're going to discuss the goal-scoring options, the forwards in the FPL Fantasy Premier League game. And if you're new here, this episode is going to pair beautifully. It's going to be like a fine wine to complement a steak or fancy fish cooked on the bobby. Ooh la la. And uh, yeah, this is going to pair great with our other preseason positional uh, overviews. Uh, We did defenders and midfielders on our last two episodes. And just as a programming note, After this episode, uh, it's going to be released a week before the game starts next Friday. And we're going to come back with two more podcasts breaking down both of your host teams. Uh, Brian will go first as he finished top of the table last season. And I, as the second best manager on the podcast last season, will go second. So uh, that's what you have to look forward to. This podcast will release uh, on Friday a week before the game kicks off, and we will have two mini episodes uh, breaking down our teams yet to go. It's major tinker time season, Bucks. Only a week away, finally. After they dropped the game, I think they did a great job kind of delaying it and building up the hype, and now everybody's uh, almost ready. I can't wait for the first fixtures. We're going to have Arsenal versus Crystal Palace, and who knows, maybe after the first fixture, we'll already have the uh, Arsenal Twitter ablaze and uh, complaining about Arteta. Who knows? Who knows? But I've already made about 100 million bazillion drafts, so I am ready for uh, the game to kick off. I have no more memory left in my phone. I had to buy some more uh, cloud storage <laughs> because there are a lot of screenshots to swipe through. So, all right, let's 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 kick this damn thing off. Yeah, let's go for goal and let's start with the ultra premiums, uh, starting with the newest addition to the Premier League, and I think the most exciting transfer of the summer window, and that is one Erling Holland. He is 22 years old, Norwegian, physically opposing, clinical finisher. He has all the talent, and he's joining the best offensive team, arguably the best overall team in the Premier League over the last five seasons, and he is going to be such a dazzling talisman under Pep uh, to lead the line for City. What do you think with Holland? Is he going to be on your team game week one, Brian? I'm so excited just to have this man in the Premier League. We're going to get to watch him for at least 30 plus game weeks, hopefully this season. We're not going to be just trying to sift through all of the group stages of Champions League just to get a glimpse at this tall six foot six statuesque human being. Uh, I'm very excited to see what he looks like in the baby blue, powder blue for City. And they have so many creators around him. He's going to be knocking in the goals. He just scored his first goal at Lambeau Field for Manchester City in their friendly versus the likes of uh, Bayern. So he's he's looking he's looking like he's going to slot in very nicely. And I think if he stays healthy, he's going to be a massive asset. He should be favored to win the Golden Boot. Wow, that's a bold prediction, and I rate it. He scored 22 goals and seven assists in 24 matches in the Bundesliga last season for Dortmund. And notably, 
He had his first ever win over Bayern Munich in this friendly preseason match. He scored the goal within the first 12 minutes of the game. So he slot right into City and immediately hit the ground running. The only thing that is a negative, a concern for Holland is his fitness. He's always had problems staying healthy. He's a big guy. He plays very physical and he has just a lot of opportunity to get injured. And so he hasn't played a full season uh, almost in forever. And so I think city are going to be a little cautious uh, giving him rotation and rest. So for that reason, I think uh, he's only owned by 59% of the FPL game. The other 40% are like me and you, Brian, and we're on the next player in his place. And that's one Harry Kane uh, playing and leading the line for Spurs. Oh, Harold Kane. He is looking mighty fine in preseason. He's got a chip on his shoulder after all the slander and the washed up comments that he took last season when he was still trying to plot his move to City. Uh, Kane under Conte with Son, Kulu, Richarlison, all these improved wingbacks. Spurs are just a team on the rise and they've been doing the business in preseason. They look very fluid and frankly, I would be scared not to have a Spurs asset in your team to start game week one really proposes a really tough question if you're going to go with Holland or Kane. So what are your thoughts on either of those two? Well, it's worth mentioning that Kane finally won a trophy with Spurs as they won some uh, obscure preseason oh, the uh, slander, title. The slander so uh, <laughs> bravo to him and Conte and the rest of the uh, Tottenham faithful. Kane is on absolute berserk fire right now in preseason. He has five goals and one assist already. He has so many avenues to points. Uh, we've covered this before, but him and son are the most dynamic goal scoring pair ever in the history of the premier league. So they work great together. Kane is also on penalties and he is first for expected goals, expected goal involvements and total expected goals and assists per 90 minutes in 2020 since Conte took over. So he is really getting the most out of Harry Kane uh, in his new system. And so I just rate that this is going to be a massive season for Harry Kane. They have Champions League. He's the captain for England in the upcoming World Cup. So he has nothing but opportunity. And he wants to prove that he is the true best striker in the Premier League. And I think there's all this hype <laughs> around this young guy, Holland. He's coming in from Germany. Uh, there's not great track record of players coming over. And Harry Kane wants to show this youngin what the business, what goal scoring in the Premier League is all about. So I really rate that he is going to be a monster to start the season. Wow, Bucks, you're already giving Harry Kane the armband in the World Cup for the three lines. You're not going to give it to that shithouse Maguire. Uh, in, in the center back position instead. <laughs> oh, I, I rate the Ari on Spurs way more than I do the uh, Ari on United uh, without, <laughs> without question. So I just want to jump in here, Bucks. I think this is one of the toughest questions for all FPL managers heading into game week one is who you start with between these two players. Fortunately, thank you, FPL Towers. You actually price these two players the same. So we will be able to hopefully swap between them if, the mood strikes, but Harry Kane, he starts out with a kind of mixed bag of the first four fixtures. So I think that's a lot of the reason why people are starting with the likes of Holland. So let's take a look at Harry Kane. So Tottenham has a Southampton at home, then they're away to Chelsea, then they have Wolves at home, and then they have Forest away. So pretty good other than that Chelsea fixture. But when you compare that to the likes of Holland, who has West Ham away, then Bournemouth at home, 
Newcastle away and Crystal Palace at home. The fixtures just slightly line up better for the likes of Holland because of that Bournemouth fixture where he could just run riot and be getting at least a brace in that game. So you definitely have some FOMO either way, depending on who you go with. But I think you and I have talked a little bit offline and off the pod, and we're we're kind of leaning towards Harry Kane just because, like you said, he's 100% nailed. He's going to play 90 minutes to, yeah. in all these matches to start the season, whereas there's you know other articles coming about coming out about Holland that he really wants to be managed under Pep. And that was something that, uh, you know, an FPL manager hates to hear. So that, I think that's where we're kind of sitting at the moment, but you can't go wrong with either of these two choices. And I'm sure we'll have both of them in our squads at some point over the course of the season. And you wouldn't be crazy to go with Kane game week one against Southampton and then just make a transfer to get Holland in versus Bournemouth. I mean, that's a really sensible and rated transfer plan i mean obviously if in an ideal world you want to roll the transfer for game week two but holland is going to be an absurdly highly owned captaincy option in that bournemouth match at home in front of the etihad so i i think that that could be uh something that we both are earmarking uh going from game week one to game week two yeah it's a strategy that i'm trying to avoid but it might it's going to be really hard if Holland bangs in the first match or we see Bournemouth give up three or four goals in their first match when they play Villa. So a lot to learn, but I think we're both leaning towards starting with Kane. And we still have to figure out one more thing with Holland is if he's on pens. Uh, there was a recent um, interview question where Mares was asked, he was going to be on pens still. And he's like, until further notice, I am on pens, but I'm not a selfish player. But that's that's uh, that's my expectation. So. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if Holland eventually takes that over because he's been pretty uh, premier in the Bundesliga at taking pens as well and converting them. Last thing uh, I mentioned before, Holland is 59% owned. Kane going under the radar at the moment, only 22% of FPL managers. Uh, there are about 5 million of them signed up for the game so far have Kane. So uh, he is a little bit of a differential for game week one. And again, you can always make that transfer for game week two to get a captain armband on Holland against Bournemouth. Let's keep it rolling uh, to the third member of this ultra premium bracket. And that is one Cristiano Ronaldo. This is more a legacy bump uh, than I think uh, than I think current expectations for Cristiano. He's not in Man United training. He is wants to move out of the club. So even with this basically the same side last season, he was the third top goal scorer. So I think this is just a pedigree play and a hope that maybe he gets a transfer to a team like Chelsea who need a proven number nine. And if he does, then, you know, you'd expect he'd hit the ground running, but he's a complete stay away for me for game week one. That's Oh sure. yeah. Bucks bucks. That's a hard pass from my perspective to have him come to Chelsea. I will gladly take anybody else, but Ronaldo, that is not the player that I want this blues team to grow with. It'll be really interesting to see how this whole situation at United plays out because there's another player, Martial, who we'll talk about later, who's been really tearing it up in preseason and is much, much cheaper. So from a fantasy perspective, like we've said about Bruno and Martial, Sancho, Rashford, they would all probably benefit if Ronaldo doesn't come back to the team. I think it's a real sliding doors moment for United and specifically for their new coach, Ten Hag, because Cristiano Ronaldo is such a veteran player and he brings a proven 
winning mentality to a club. However, that could also rub younger players the wrong way because he has very high expectations and he's domineering on, he's dominating. He's, he's, uh, he demeans his other teammates when they don't give him the ball, when he <laughs> wants it, where he wants it. So I think from a system perspective, United are right to uh, kind of move on from him. Um, but again, 18 goals and three assists last season is nothing to sneeze at. And he was single-handedly responsible for at least nine points in the table for United. He had the hat trick uh, against Norwich. He had a game-winning goal in extra time. Uh, so he he really single-handedly carried them to a top six finish. So uh, he's still got a lot of goals left in him, I believe. But uh, without... Without that, he's not really an FPL consideration at this point in preseason. And so I think we can just move on to the next category, which is the premium strikers, uh, those that range from 10 million to 9 million in the FPL game. And that starts out with Jamie Vardy, 9.5 million party, for party, the Foxes. Party. Whoop, whoop. The Vardy party gets started really early in the season, and uh, he's known to be a fast starter. He really has put up great numbers with five, six easy goal involvements in the first four matches each of the last three seasons. And he's still an elite player at 35. He's an elite finisher and it's just his health. And at this point in time, he's healthy. So he's a player that even in tough fixtures, he only needs one or two opportunities a game to bag his goal and get you nine FPL points. So I love that. And the fact that Madison and Barnes are really looking good in the preseason just add to his potential because those players are commanding a lot of attention on the pitch and are looking to be fully healthy and ready to go for this season of FPL because last year their injuries galore and they were very disappointing, but Vardy healthy. He's definitely a differential under 5% owned, I believe too. Yeah. And at 9.5 million, it's a difficult price point to fit in. However, Leicester are reportedly close to signing a transfer move to let go of their current starting goalkeeper, Casper Schmeichel. And what that tells me is that they are going to be leaning heavily on the offensive side of the pitch to carry them, at least in the start of the season. So I expect that this will bump up uh, the involvement for Vardy, as well as Barnes and Madison, uh, who you both mentioned. And I think that right now, Vardy is one of the best differential picks in the FPL game. Again, hard to fit in, but if you can craft the team around him and he's kind of your differential instead of Gabriel Jesus or alongside Gabriel Jesus and one of these ultra premium guys like Holland and Kane, holy smokes, you are going to be really going for it at the beginning of the season. And I, I love that strategy. It's not one that I'm comfortable with. It's a little too adventurous, but Vardy has a track record of starting fast. And even though Leicester have kind of murky fixtures, they're hot and cold, he can pop off for a brace in any fixture uh, against the best teams, against the dog shit clubs. Uh, he's an equal opportunity goal scorer. And that's why we rate him. Yeah. Plus, I think his, uh, his wife has toned down the Twitter uh, <laughs> fingers a little bit, and he's uh, fully committed and engaged with his footballing so we're hoping that leads to fpl points like you said before on his fixtures he does play arsenal and chelsea both away matches in the first four matches so i think that's why some people are shying away from him but when lester hit a good run of form which will happen i believe game week like six onwards you'll want to consider eight. after that first him, international break they eight, get yeah. the promoted teams as well as some of the bottom dwelling 
defenses from last season. I can see him and Madison and Barnes, maybe the triple up might be a play uh, coming out of that first international break in game week eight. Yeah, definitely. And like we said, if you're on pens, you're going to get a lot of cheap FPL points and straight to bonus heaven. So we love that Vardy converts nearly all of his kicks as well. All right. Who's up next, Bucks? All right, so next up is a pair of Liverpool strikers. Uh, first is Diego Jota. We're going to cover him first. He's $9 million. He's the proven Premier League player, and he's 3% owned. And the reason for that is currently he is out injured with a hamstring issue. And this is really concerning because Jota has not featured in any of the preseason training. He's not currently with the club as they're on their international preseason tour. And that means that he is currently a complete cross-off for FPL because he's just not going to be fit at least until the first international break is what reports are saying in game week eight. So he's a player that I would keep on our watch list for when he starts training again because he has real clinical finishing and he is selfish, which we love from a striker. But I think the next guy is really the one to watch. And that's Darwin Nunez. He is a new player into the premier league from Benfica, 23 year old Uruguayan player. And uh, he's going to get a lot of minutes to start the season. So that's why he's becoming a little bit of a differential darling at 16% ownership. Also at 9 million. What do you think on Nunez or on Jota, Brian? Yeah, very interesting to have both of these Liverpool attackers priced the same. Uh, gives managers a tough decision. I mean, based on the price tag, I mean, they signed him for like 80 million euros. I mean, nearly yeah, 100 crazy. mil USD. That's that's a hefty sum to pay. I was surprised that he commanded more money than uh, Holland did, considering that Holland is really the elite player in his age group from for the next decade, really. But uh, looking at Jota... He had a huge season last year, 15 goals, seven assists. He was out of playing out of position as a midfielder. So he did collect over 14 clean sheet points as well. So, you know, moving to forward, having the competition with Nunez, I'm not entirely sure how this is going to play out. I expect them to probably share a lot of time once both are healthy and Diaz will be on the left wing and both of these players will play through the middle because Klopp wants to, you know, make sure that both are getting reps because deep runs in the Premier League and in Champions League FA Cup, they're going to need both of them firing. So I expect them to be rotated a bit. And like you said, when when you come to the Premier League for the first time, there's an adjustment period. So uh, we'll see how Nunez, you know, figures out these really strong center backs, these players that are going to be pushing and shoving, and if he can uh, deal with it. The slide tackles definitely hit different in the Premier League. Let me say that uh, without question. Last season for Benfica, he scored 26 goals and added four assists in 28 league matches. And more importantly, he really popped off against Liverpool in the Champions League quarterfinals. He had two goals. He had a goal in each of the matches uh, against Liverpool. So I think that's really when uh, he had his time to shine in front of Klopp at Anfield. They saw his potential. And I think... You saw glimpses of his explosive abilities against RB Leipzig in preseason, where he had four goals, including a penalty kick that Salah uh, generously gave to him. So again, lots of opportunity, lots of minutes in the early part of the season for Nunez without competition. But I think once Jota comes back, I agree with you. I think it's going to be more of a timeshare and Klopp is excellent man manager. He's going to know who's hot, who's got it on each and every given match. Yeah, I think with that, we can take our first break. 
before we get into the next tier of proven commodity strikers. All right, Bucks, let's break down the proven commodities in the strike force. We're talking about players from the 7.5 to the 8.5 million pound bracket. So Richarlison moves from Everton. He saves the Evertonians in Liverpool. He delivers them yet another season, and then he bleeps right off and goes to join Spurs. I'm not sure how many minutes he's going to get, but he will definitely help Conte in the long run, especially with their first uh, taste of being back in the Champions League. What are your thoughts on this price tag? For me, overpriced. How did he get a, a price rise of a full million over the offseason? Yeah, it doesn't really make so much sense because we don't know how he's going to feature uh, regarding minutes, position, uh, but I rate him as a player and I know one of our loyal listeners and mini league buddies, Eamon, uh, is absolutely in love with Richarlison. He would fly to Brazil to lick and clean his floors if given the opportunity. However, <laughs> I think Richarlison is going to be cleaning a lot of boots on the bench to start the season because there's no way he's cracking in to Kane, Son, and Kulu the way that they ended last season. So I think this is really a depth uh, play. And again, with five subs, he's going to have his chance. But I think the FPL managers uh, that are following closely are aware that Richarlison is not an FPL player at this price point. He's owned by less than 1% of the game at 8.5 million because there are just better options, cheaper and further down the budget table. Yeah, I agree with you there. I think with Richarlison, um, he he's really going to become an FPL option if Kane or Son gets hurt or Kulu gets hurt. And then he's thrust into starting every match. And then all of a sudden you get him at 8.5. Uh, so something new to keep in mind, he was on pens last year for Everton. He won't be on any pens this year with Harry Kane in front of him. So uh, a lot of things going against him, unfortunately, to start the season. Plus, like you said, he's banned for game week one. So out of our game week one um, drafts for sure. Next up is Kai Havertz for Chelsea. He's comes in at 8 million and is currently 5% owned from the game. I think the big change with Kai is that he's no longer listed as a midfielder. He is the forward option now for Chelsea, and he's really the only proven uh, forward option that they have ahead of Armando Broja, who we expect to be his backup this season, which means that there's nothing but opportunity, green fields and minutes ahead for Kai Havertz. The question is, is he going to hit the goal or is he going to hit the bucket, uh, the trash bin, five feet behind the goal. And that's really the question that all Chelsea fans, not just myself are asking as they attack the start of the season, they have cush, easy, lush fixtures. They have really an opening opportunity to get up on the table, to get into the top four, to start the season, but their preseason form is shaky to say the least. So uh, right now he's a stay away from me. It just seems very crowded when you look at all the wingers and you look at the potential number nines or false nines that Chelsea's going to have this season. It doesn't look like they're going to sign any big striker. Maybe Armando Broja also comes in and plays some minutes. Uh, I, I would think he'd be in the early rounds for FA Cup rather than straight into the Premier League. But with that being said, Kai did have eight goals, four assists last season. He definitely had a lot of missed chances that... Um, seem to be the bugaboo for the Chelsea attack, but 
He's a player you could easily see getting double-digit goals this season if things break right and the Chelsea attack comes good. So I like the price tag. He was flat year over year, and this is a player that when double game weeks come around later in the season or an easy run of fixtures come after we've seen a proven attack, then might be a time to bring him in. One quick thing I want to add on Kai Havertz is I think that if he starts the season strong, he's going to be one of the most likely players to price rise in bunches because he plays for a proven Champions League caliber team in Chelsea and he's their standalone option. So he's pretty much nailed for minutes. So he starts strong. Let's say he has two goals, three goals in the first two game weeks. I expect by game week three, he's going to be looking at like 8.2 million. And so if you can get in early and back him as a differential, I really like it. Uh, As I said, only 5% owned. He's a real swerve against some of the other guys in this price range. Moving on, let's talk about DCL, who was really plagued with injuries last season. He comes in at $8 million. This, again, is an overprice. I was very surprised to see him come in at 8 He's capable of, of big things. He did have a season where he had 22 total goal involvements. And with the likes of and the signings of Dwight McNeil, from Burnley, that could actually boost his appeal because he is great in the air. He's actually probably better with his his shoulders and his head than he is with his uh, his feet. So he's a player <laughs> nice. that is very attacking off of corners and off of crosses and relies on the rest of his team to kind of set him up. With that being said, the rest of his team, eh, kind of dog. So I'm not quite sure if he's ever an option for us <laughs> this season. Yeah, plus Everton have some tough fixtures to open up the season. And uh, I know Chelsea, they have kind of been a club that has figured Chelsea out when they play them at Goodison Park. But, you know, Chelsea are known to have a quality defense. And I think that DCL with this bag of chips around him uh, in the starting 11 is going to be uh, hard pressed to compete with the likes of Havertz or even uh, some of the next guys in this group for total goals at the end of the season. So he's a cross off for game week one, and he's probably a cross off for the whole season uh, for my POV. Next up is the Jesus, Gabriel Jesus. He's landed at Arsenal and hit the ground at breakneck pace. He already has four goals in preseason, including a brace in his first time wearing the Gunners red uh, for them in preseason. He's looked exceptional and Arsenal as a team have looked exceptional. So for Jesus to come in at 8 million, he is currently the highest owned player in the game ahead of Mo Salah, ahead of Erling Holland. He's owned by 63% of FPL managers, an absurd total. And yeah, I just think that people are excited that he's nailed for minutes. He has a pedigree of being a great goal scorer and a great winner under Pep at City. So sky's the limit. And really the only question is, will he be on penalty kicks or will Saka keep them? I think they've signed Jesus to be the main man. He is taking that role very seriously. He looks very confident. He had a brilliant chip over Mendy in the Florida Cup in their friendly. What a fucking um, finish. When, Holy cow. Yeah, when they, I hate, when they I hated destroyed it, but it Chelsea. Was amazing. <laughs> I hated yeah, it, but and, it was and that's, incredible. And that's just, again, the type of confidence that you want from your number nine. He got a price reduction from 8.5 to 8 this season when he's going to play probably the most minutes of his whole career. So I I just like everything about this pick. I like the fact that he can pass. He's a pressing monster. 
Arteta is comfortable with him. He's comfortable with Arteta. He's got a couple other Brazilians on the squad that are, you know, really making him feel welcomed and comfortable coming into this, this side for Arsenal. So, and then when you look at the rest of the team, they're improving. They're young players. They're all improving together. They're all kind of in that same age range. It's really just a great situation for them. So I'm all in on Jesus. Yeah, he's a gift from FPL Towers and a gift from God, uh, one Jesus. Uh, I'm comfortable saying that even <laughs> as a Jew, uh, that he is a real treat uh, for FPL this season at $8 million. Next up is Mikel, 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 Mikel Antonio. <laughs> and he comes in at seven. Yeah, I love this guy. $7.5 million, and he's 4% owned. And if there was a better starter to the season in FPL last year, I don't know who it would be because Antonio Ooh. came out of the blocks like Usain Bolt on steroids with a rocket booster attack to his back. He was flying right. out of the That's gates. Right last season and the only question is West Ham play City in the first game week so I think that's a real bugaboo for people betting and backing Antonio once again he had incredibly frustrating three quarters of the rest of the FPL season because he was exceptional in the first eight game weeks and then pretty much was a ghost he was non-existent for the remainder of the season so uh, he's one that needs to work on his fitness but I think he will be nailed to start the season ahead of Skamaka, who is a new transfer that just came to West Ham for 30 mil. And we will talk about him a little bit later in the podcast. 10 goals, 10 assists for FPL last season, 20 goal involvements for 7.5 million pound striker. He stays that. flat year. He, st he stays flat year over year in price. And honestly, I think this signing of Skamaka could really help him because he was not only playing all the minutes in the Premier League for like really the first time that he really stayed healthy for a full season, but then he was also just dragged into the ground in Europa League because Moyes had nobody else to play up top. They, he refused to play Yarmolenko. He refused to play any of the other guys in a false nine. And so we just saw this big blustering guy just keep getting more and more minutes, and that really hurt him. Um, throughout the you, kind of back he was half. playing wing back. He was playing right wing back uh, at points of the Premier League in like game week 23, 24. <laughs> I remember I had him and I was like, what is this guy doing? He's like in the defensive half, the entire second half of the match. Oh, very frustrating back half of the season. But again, I agree with you, Brian. I think he's going to hit the ground running once again. And I think the Skamaka backup is only going to help him because he knows he can just give it his all for 70 minutes and have a quality guy that comes off the bench and spells him and know that his position is safe uh, because he is so proven and has been such a good uh, worker and player under Moyes at West Ham. He's, he's one to watch for sure. And we overall like the West Ham team. They're continuing to be a well knit team and Moyes has them kind of fully operating in unison. So we expect them to be top half of the table once again. All right, let's do Callum Wilson next. The truth comes in at 7.5 million. He's 3% owned. Initially, I was thinking of Callum Wilson over Gabriel Jesus in my initial uh, first of many drafts. Uh, that's really because he opens the season against Nottingham Forest, uh, newly promoted side that we expect to be weak in defense. And so I think the only reason I switched to Jesus is one, I'm following the crowd a little bit. I'm being a little bit of a sheep, but also Wilson 
has a very frustrating injury history. And so I just want to see him hit the ground strong and stay healthy for a couple of game weeks before I risk bringing him into my side. Cause I've been burnt in my two seasons of FPL, bringing him in and then immediately having to waste a transfer, getting him out of my side. So that's the only bugaboo and uh, reason to avoid Cal Wilson. He's on penalties. Newcastle seemed like a much improved unit and he's a unit when he's healthy. Yeah. He totaled eight goals in 13 hundred minutes last season which is very Absurd. impressive he is Absurd. he's a player that is kind of along the same lines as a jamie vardy light kind of version where he doesn't need that many chances and he can really make the most of of the ones that he gets at his feet you're you're betting on an improving attack and just an overall improving team at newcastle and i could definitely see him popping off for a few goals in their first three matches but the, the main problem is that when you look at the fixture ticker, they are playing Manchester City and Liverpool in game weeks three and five. And therefore, it just is a clear stay away because you don't want to waste a transfer on a player who's going to play those two top teams this early in the season. But like you said before, if he's healthy, he's a good punt because we're going to have points in this season where we don't expect to hold these players for more than five to eight game weeks because of the wild card situation in the first half of the season, then the world cup wild card. So um, definitely, definitely somebody that I'm interested in. And I I like that he comes in at 7.5 because if Jesus gets hurt, we could just downgrade him straight to Calum Wilson. That, that sounds good. The next player to discuss is one Patty B Patrick Bamford, the B A M F himself. What are we thinking at this 7.5 price tag this season? We love ourselves some Bam Bam Bucks. We're hoping for a bounce back, but we're a little bit unsure about how Leeds is going to come out this season under Jesse Marsh. Yeah, it's complete stay away for the start of the season for pretty much all Leeds players, uh, at least for my team. I want to see how Jesse Marsh lines these guys up, how what system he wants to play. Um, So I think that it's a wait and see across the board. There are a lot of new additions to the club, uh, specifically in midfield. And of course, if Bamford's healthy, he's probably going to be on penalties and have lots of opportunity. The question is, how are Leeds going to cope without Rafinha and Calvin Phillips? They're two best players, arguably, uh, last season or since they've been in the Premier League. So I just think that they're going to struggle in the beginning of the season, despite having relatively favorable fixtures. I think it's going to be a tough slog of a season for Leeds uh, and their American manager, Ted Lasso. Yeah, I'm expecting them to be in the relegation battle for most of the season. They do have a very comfortable start. So if some of these new players can bet in like Aronson, like Sinistera, then maybe they'll they'll find some uh, easy three point wins early in the season. We really liked seeing Bamford in the kind of 2020, 2021 season. Do you know how many, do you remember how many returns he had bucks? I got his page up right now. Can you guess? I I think he had like 19 goal involvements, 20 goal involvements. It was crazy. You're, you're way under keep going up bucks. This is, this is shocking. I got to give you one more guess. All right. Uh, 26, 28 goal involvements for leads in that in that season under Bielsa. That's crazy. So if he can get back to getting, you know, 18 goal involvements, he'll definitely be valuable at some point this season. He's a player that's just kind of fun to watch. And hopefully he's figured out his big toe injury and 
We'll see what happens with leads. But for now, definite stay away. And there's a reason why he's under 1% owned in the entire game. Should have came yeah. in at 7 million. Yeah, you should have been a little cheaper. And uh, I would not recommend dipping a big toe, let alone any toes in the Patty B uh, well to start the season. Next up is a player we love on this podcast. Junkyard Dog won Ollie Watkins. He's 7.5 million and 4% owned. The issue with Watkins is he's just flat out better in real life than he is for FPL. The reason for this is he does not get bonus points for hustle, for his work rate, and he's not on penalty kicks. And so there's just not enough certainty that he's going to be the out and out goal scorer for Villa come the start of the season. They just have so many attacking options. And so I think he's a stay away at 7.5 million and I think if he was 6.5 million, he would be a darling considered by many FPL managers. He's just slightly too expensive. Yeah, especially based on the end of the season that the villains had under Gerard. Pretty lackluster. So was surprised to see him be flat in his 7.5 million pound price tag year over year. He did have 11 goals and he's actually on pens when Ings is not on the pitch. But again, it's kind of a crowded front. Um, front line right now between the likes of him, Bailey. They have the young guys, Coutinho, uh, Ramsey, little... Chumbawamba. Exactly. Everyone's on this team. <laughs> I'm just a little concerned about how their minutes shake out. Um, but he's a pressing monster, and he's always fit. He's very rarely injured, and so he's a player that I think could emerge uh, at some point in the season. So we'll keep an eye on that. And again, seven point five. You can, you can take a punt on him for three game weeks, and if it doesn't work out, move to one of these other uh, classy characters in this class. Nice. I like the uh, classy characters in this class reference. Uh, let's take <laughs> another break. When we come back, we'll dive into the next group of players, and that is Mitrovic and his best mates. All right, class is back in session. Ladies and gentlemen, let's talk about Mitrovic and his classmates. We're talking about the 6.5 million to 7 million pound bracket in FPL. Let's start with one Raul Jimenez, the Mexican national player. Bucks, I know you and I have a big bet this season on who scores more goals between him and Chris Wood, but he's picked up an injury already. There's already an asterisk on the asterisk on that bet, Bucks. Well, to FPL Black Wolf's dismay and to the generous gift from the gods to our bet, uh, he is going to be sidelined for at least a handful of game weeks. They're saying uh, anywhere from six to eight weeks. So he might be out until the first international break, which is killer. I did not see this news, Buck. Six to eight weeks? Wow, that that is a pretty hefty injury, and that's a big blow to Wolves to start the season. They don't really have any backup strikers. No, they they actually sold Fabio Silva uh, to the Bundesliga and Huang, who really never clocked on, is really the only true striker backup. And FPL listed him as a midfielder this season. So I guess he's not such an out and out pure striker uh, at the end of the day, is he? Um, So this is a major concern. MCL injury. He's slightly veteran player. I think he's uh, approaching 30 years old is Jimenez and yeah, it's just a major blow, and uh, gives me a couple extra runouts for Chris Wood to get ahead in the tally uh, for our season long bet. Let's go! So uh, yeah, yeah, I, I guess, think that- I guess I guess Wolves are going to have to get their Huang out and hope for the best. 
Holy cow, that is uh whoa, what a reference. All right, next up is <laughs> Anthony Gloves, Tony Martial. He's at seven million and is currently seven percent owned. And this is both a bet on his absurd preseason form as well as the hope from Man United faithful that Cristiano Ronaldo is in fact going to take an exit from the club. He is firmly, I think, on most managers' watch list because he is just so white hot right now in Ten Hag's system and in preseason. He scored in three of their four matches and really looks to be the clear first choice striker at this point in preseason. And I think worst case, he's going to slide out to one of the wings, probably the left wing role if Ronaldo does come back and Sancho will be on the right with Bruno in the middle. I think there's no way Martial is not a, a starter in Ten Hag system come game week one. And so at 7 million with his current form, he could be a great, great differential at only 7% owned. Yeah, absolutely love his upside. He has hit various patches of form over the last three seasons. He spent the rest of last season on loan at Sevilla. Hopefully he comes in with a better attitude. That's been something that's been hard for FPL managers to handle is his body language and says pouting at times but hey tony gloves he can finish with the best of them and i i really think that this could be one of the best steals of the season if we get a resolution with cr7 agreed agreed and i actually think he's better value at price than sancho who's 7.5 million or rashford who's 6.5 million uh they're both midfielders i think martial has more of a pathway to regular minutes than either of those guys. So uh, I would take Martial over the two midfielders if given the opportunity. Let's go on down the 7 million striker ticker. Next up is one Ivan Tony. He was super popular. He was last season's Gabriel Jesus uh, going into game week one. His ownership was massive because he was coming off a absolutely spectacular season in the championship where I think he had like 43, 44 goal involvements and he ticked along last season. I don't think it was a slam dunk, but he had 12 goals and five assists was the out and out penalty kick taker for Brentford where he didn't miss a single opportunity. And I just think that it could be another quality season for Tony. The question really is how does he perform without Erickson? Because his numbers did take a sizable dip. Um, before he got there. Uh, so I think he could end up being underpriced at 7 million, but I'm not brave enough to start with Tony before I see the bees in, you know, all out regular season form. What do you think, Brian? It's a bit of a mixed bag. A lot of pundits in the premier league are talking about maybe having a sophomore slump for the likes of uh, Brentford. So we'll see what happens. I, I really just like his game overall. I think he's got great vision. He's very unselfish. Uh, he can play with his back uh, against another player or uh, get into those spots to finish goals. It is interesting in, in what they play as a formation. Earlier in the season, they played kind of a 4-4-2 with Mbomo and him up top, and they were really kind of working off each other. But then later in the season, we saw Wissa come into that, and they kind of changed their formation into kind of a three at the Great top shout. instead. So. Yeah, so really kind of unsure um, how they're going to start the season. So I want to watch a few Brentford matches and see what they roll out in terms of their starting lineup and if they're indeed uh, up for another season in the Premier League. So a wait and see, but definitely somebody who I would uh, rate as a player 
Yeah, and he was playing a lot of tracking back, uh, playing arguably like a sixth defender at some times for Brentford. I think the discipline that he gained from playing alongside Ericsson, a proven global talent, uh, he really learned that his role is to stay up top and his his job is not to worry about what's going on in the defensive half. And I think that if he can adopt some of those lessons and stay as clinical of a penalty kick converter as he was last season, I think he could easily match another 12 goals uh, kind of season. And at 7 million, that's uh, that would be a slam dunk uh, at this price point. Next up is Danny Ings, the dinger, the donger. He's always injured. Bucks, he's another player who has those tight hamstrings. We really thought he was going to take off at Villa after moving from Southampton. But unfortunately, he had a very staggered season. And at $7 million, it's a complete stay away from, for me. I think there's too many rotation um, opportunities with the rest of the attackers at Villa and with all these extra subs. Surely he would be on the hook at 60 minutes for matches that he does start. So he will be a supercharged sub when he comes off the bench but I don't think he's a player for FPL at all this season. Yeah, a little too little too late for Danny Ings, I think, going into this season. And at $7 million, uh, you're not really getting a bargain buying him at that price. So I think that if you can wait and stay patient, uh, you know, there are opportunities in the season where he could be relevant, but at the start, uh, he's a complete stay away. I agree with you there. Next up, uh, we mentioned this guy in passing is one Skamaka. I love the guy's name. He's like one of the most fun Premier League names to say uh, now that he's landed officially for West Ham. He's 23 years old and he's coming from La Liga where he played for Genoa. They're kind of a middle tier, nothing club, but he had 16 goals and zero assists. So love that selfishness. He is on the (laughs) Diego Jota all-time selfish Hall of Fame with those kind of stats. 16 goals, zero assists. That's wild. You have to fall, like kind of fall into an assist, I feel like, if you have 16 goals. That's wild. Well, if your team is Garbo, what are you supposed to do, Bucks? They're probably missing all the balls he's setting up uh, his teammates for. So he's like, F it. I got to put the team on my back and do it alone. But uh, this is a player, I mean, like we said, Gianluca Scamacca. What a name. This guy is yeah, being brought into Scamacca. West Ham. He's, he's very well regarded. He was a $35 million um, uh, transfer. So we expect him to play a lot of minutes in Europa for West Ham. And Antonio is not getting any younger either. So it's a good pickup for them to get this guy some experience, get a year under his belt. And then over the next few years, he is going to become the main man at, at West Ham next to Bowen. Yeah, and I think his play style is going to fit the rest of the team a little bit better than Antonio will he's a big physical presence and he can almost be like a backboard uh, for them to launch balls up and chase around and West Ham is already a very physically imposing team they have Suchek and Dawson so I think he's going to fit in they're going to be a little bit of a bruiser club uh, from set pieces and corner kicks when he is in the game so I rate the signing I just don't think he's going to have FPL uh, value so soon in his Premier League career yeah, he's a player like Pat Daka at Leicester, who in a few seasons when Vardy is no longer playing for them or Antonio is out at the Hammers, these guys will come into the fold for FPL. So names to know, but uh, nothing of relevance this season for FPL. But somebody who did really have a huge relevance in their side at the end of the season was Eddie Nketiah. 
the necktie himself. He signs a new five-year deal in the offseason just to be ousted by Jesus. Bucks, this looks like a squad player bound for Europa League starts. Yeah, but you know what? Niketia is probably ahead of his projected learning curve at this point in time. He came in for Lacazette at the end of the season for Arsenal and looked incredible. He uh, really is a pressing monster, very willing uh, passer and goal scorer. And I like that he's so confident in himself at such a young age. He's 7 million, 1% owned, but I really think it's going under the radar that Niketia is actually outplaying Jesus in preseason. He has five goals to Jesus's four. So this guy is not giving over the job easily. Uh, I mean, it's not his job anymore. It's Gabriel Jesus's, but that going without saying, I think Niketia is a really good player for Arsenal. He's just, like you said, not going to be FPL relevant. He's going to get a lot of 20 and 15 minute cameo appearances when they're losing and maybe a 10 or five minute cameo uh, for some time wasting and shithousery when they're winning. So uh, he joins Skamaka and the next player on our list as young talents to watch in the Premier League that might not yet have full FPL value. And next one up is Julian Alvarez. He's 6.5 million, also 1% owned, and he's probably another squad player for a top team. Uh, Big signing. Uh, behind Erling Holland is Alvarez, and he's going to be probably getting some Europa League, some FA Cup minutes under City, and just to build trust and rapport for the long haul. You have any uh, any comments or thoughts about Alvarez and his role at City? As a 22 year old player coming into a completely different league, you know he played in the Superliga in Argentina. It's going to be a, a rough awakening for him, but. He has the support of his his coaching staff and his teammates, and hopefully he'll become the next uh, Ferran Torres for the the Manchester City team. So nobody nobody really thinks he's going to do much in FPL, but if there's an injury or two, he could become a a relevant player for us. So 6.5 million, you you like that price tag if, uh, if things go really south for City. Yeah, but one guy at 6.5 million who I like way more than Alvarez is the guy whose namesake is this tier. And that's one Alexander Mitrovic. He is coming Mitro. This guy might have nitro in his body the way he's coming out of the championship with his form. He had over 50 goal involvements. What the absolute bloody hell? 50 goal involvements. The guy can't even run for 50 minutes, let alone 50 meters. (laughs) And he had 50 goal involvements. That's crazy. I mean, he's only 27 bucks, but this is the third time that we're seeing him in the Premier League. So a lot of FPL managers who are tenured in this game have some tough memories having him in, in your side. But 50 goal involvements, he had 43 goals and he dapped up his teammates seven more times on top of that. That, that's pretty crazy. So I think this is a team that is under, again, a new manager. There's no Scotty Parker here. This team is looking to attack and score goals in the Premier League, whereas Scotty Parker kind of had them parking the bus and just trying not to concede. So we're going to see a different Fulham team this year. And Mitro, 6.5 million. I like it. I like it. I think he's going to play again. He's going to play the lion's share of the minutes, 80 plus minutes, every single match. He's on pens. He's the main man. And uh, they'll just have to get used to not having possession because that's how he got all of these tap-ins and all these goals in the championship was that Fulham dominated possession. 
that ain't going to happen. Um, and he is the player, like uh, you said, understatement. he kind of moves a little bit like he's in quicksand, so he's not going to be able to press. And so we'll see how he handles being frustrated by not having the ball at his feet uh, so often. Yeah, and he has three goals in preseason, so he is continuing that championship form uh, into the start of this season. But as Brian mentioned, Fulham is just a completely different caliber club in the championship than they are in the Premier League, and I think they're going to suffer as well. And he's not one that I have on my watch list, but I could see him having value at that price point because last season, Tony was the same price point. And Mitrovic had almost 10 more goal involvements than Tony did last season. So uh, he's definitely one to monitor, but he has been in the Premier League before. So some some experienced managers have some warts, uh, thanks to the like of Alexander. So uh, without further ado, let's close out this group and move on to the next bunch, which are promoted strikers and the post. I came up with this this title, and I think you might rate it once we get into the first few names, <laughs> uh, starting with players at $6 million. And that's one Chris Wood. Uh, he's basically the same uh, involvement as the post uh, last season with only one goal. But I think he's going to have a bounce back. And that's why I bet on him uh, with you, Brian, to outscore Jimenez. And yeah, the, the gods are working in my favor. One injury to Callum Wilson following this injury to Raul Jimenez. Chris Wood, baby, he might have double digit goals. Let's see it. Let's see it. Oh man, this guy is giving you a Woody. I can tell, Bucks. This is uh, this spells trouble for me in the, in that bet. But looking at Chris Wood, it's crazy to to think about when he transferred from Burnley and Newcastle is in the relegation zone, and just how far Newcastle has come as a squad that he's not even playing very many minutes. Uh, Six million. He used to be on pens for Burnley. I don't think he's on pens at all this season. Mm -hmm. So he's he's a player. I don't think it's going to come into our thoughts unless Callum gets hurt, but like that, there will be a time for that. So let's keep it moving. Let's talk about another striker who loves to post up. He posts up hard bucks. We're talking about Brian and Bomo, man, this guy had four goals and seven dimes last season, but how many times did he hit the woodwork? He had an unlucky seven attempts hit the woodwork, which is absurd. He led the league by three post connects. Uh, so this guy was massively unlucky. He had four goals and seven assists from an expected goal involvement of 16. So he like massively underproduced that number. Womp, womp. He, yeah. Um, so I think it's interesting that he got swapped from midfield to forward going into the season. And I think that he could have FPL relevance because of that reclassification. He is going to be the starter alongside Tony for the lion's share of Brentford's matches. And I think that if he is going to be successful, he is the key to Brentford having a good season. I think all he needs is to be kind of half an inch to one side, half an inch to the other side. And we're going to see Brentford have a real comfortable second season in the premier league. Uh, if he can just tick on his goals and tick down his post connects. Yeah, I don't know if he's unlucky or if he's just bad. I, I think we're still waiting to find out that Bucks. So we'll we'll use this second season from Brentford to find out if he's uh, who we thought he was. Well, I'll catch that uh, little alley oop and say that I think he's good because in preseason he is 
in massive form. He has three goals to Tony's one so far, and he has clearly been the best player for Brentford uh, in their preseason uh, warm-up. So I think he could start the season fast. So, uh, yeah. you know, I'm and high on Brentford. Year- I'm, I'm, I'm high on the B's supply right now. Yeah, you're all about that honey buck. So you're trying to get some, get that bear claw stuck in there. So I think with Mbomo <laughs> as well, he's actually on a few uh, indirect free kicks as well, surprisingly. So, you know, more avenues to points never hurts, never hurts bucks. But let's skip him. Let's talk about Dominic Solanke. This is a player that who's caught my eye and um, he's comes in at 6 million for the promoted Bournemouth. What are your thoughts here on Solanke's upside potential? Solanke, Solanke. He is one that I will not be slinking into or out of my team probably, but he had a great season in the championship with Bournemouth, 29 goals, seven assists. He's on penalties and he has been in the Premier League before uh, and he's still very young, only 24 years old. So I definitely thought he was older when I did uh, some research for this podcast But the challenge with Dominic Solanke is the same challenge that I think Mitrovic is going to experience. And that is that Bournemouth are just not a club that is ready to be in the Premier League fire. And so I think that they are going to have a really tough go of it. And similar to Puki and similar to Mitrovic, I think that these teams are really great and they look exceptional. They highlight all their best components in the championship. But when you level up to the Premier League, every team is a all-star team once you get to this level. And so I think he's going to have a lot less opportunity, a lot less of uh, counter-attacking football to play because Premier League clubs don't just, you know, leave the whole second half of the pitch, the back half of defense uh, wide open, like some teams do in the championship. So uh, he's probably too expensive at 6 million, even for me to consider. But uh, yeah, I think if Bournemouth are good, it's going to be directly because of Solanke having a big part in that. Yeah, he's a player who grew up in the Liverpool underground system. He really came into his own. 29 goals is a huge total for any player. And I think when we look at these bottom-of-the-barrel assets, 6 million and lower, he could be a budget enabler later in the season. Game weeks 5 through game week 16, they only play one of the traditional top six teams in the Premier League. So a huge run, and if Bournemouth has any chance of staying up. They're going to have to get a lot of points on those um, those matchups. So he is on pens, and I think he's just a player that could produce a lot of FBL points just because he plays every single minute. There's no reason that he even comes off in any of these matches. And we saw Pookie really have moments of brilliance in FPL over the last kind of three seasons where he was in and out of the Premier League, even though the team was pretty bad. There's still a couple of chances a game that a clinical striker can pounce on and he should be able to press and get a few of those easy buckets as well. I love that little FPL nugget you just dropped about their fixture run from game week five to 16. That's why you come to the FPL blues podcast, ladies and gentlemen, next up pair of forest strikers, Brennan Johnson, first up, and he was their talisman in the championship. He had 18 goals and 10 assists. And I think he's going to be more creatively used um, to support the next name in our rundown, which is Taiwo Oweni. 
I need to work on that pronunciation. I, I tend to be our pronunciation guru. So the fact that I'm having <laughs> yeah, trouble is a bad sign. Uh, he comes don't from- Don't worry, the- Bucks. Don't worry. I'm right there with you. That one's going to be a new one. Taiwo, Iwani? Iwani. Okay. Anyway, I, I won't need to Work pronounce it, Mouse. I won't need to pronounce it because he's not going to be in my team. That's for sure. Uh, he comes from the Bundesliga and he has something to prove. 24 years old. And I think really the reason you would bet on Johnson or- I won't even say this guy's name again is because they just got Jesse Lingard and Jesse Lingard is going to uh, be the creative engine for Forrest this season. He's their highest paid player by a uh, country mile, and he's going to be the one setting up uh, Johnson and this nameless guy. So with that, that's really the bet. If you're a Forrest fan, you want to have at least one of these guys uh, to make it exciting, but there is a budget option that we will touch on a little later in the podcast that I think might be the better FPL bet over these two guys at $6 million. Forrest is a huge club with a massive amount of supporters. We're really happy to see them back in the Premier League. It's going to be great when they have their first home match. But for now, it's a wait and see. They're going to have to embed. I think they've had over 12 new players come into the squad since being promoted. So that's going to take some time. I would expect them to really have a up and down and mostly down first eight game weeks of the season. So wait and see on these two lads at 6 million. Great point. Next up is the budget options, but you know, guac costs extra. So these aren't quite the ultimate budget plays. These are strikers between 5.5 and 5 million. And really we're just going to cover the guys at 5.5 million because there aren't any reliable options at the 5 million price point for strikers and no forward podcast by the FPL blues would be complete without mentioning your boy, your secret crush, your secret Santa Keenan Davis, 5.5 million 0.2% owned. Brian, tell me that it's not Keenan Davis, his mother and you as the only managers in the game that have him in your club. Oh, Bucks, I've had many fun times. I found you out. Keenan I found Davis. you out. Being being in my squad, he netted one point last season, and he somehow got a one million pound price rise. Uh, he did go out on loan, and so he's just always <laughs> been one of my bench fodder guys when I have that dead striker position, which I love for FPL. I'm going to have another deadie this season too, Bucks. You, you better believe it. But um, talking about real players who matter, uh, Denis Undav at Brighton, he's a player who comes over from the first division in Belgium and a lot of players and a lot of managers really rate this guy and he could become an asset for us maybe towards the middle of the season. He's going to have to bet in, he's going to have to beat out Neil Mopai, which shouldn't be too hard. And uh, as from fantasy football scout is really high on this guy. So I'm going to make sure to tune into some of his tweets and see how this plays out. But at two, at 5.5, well, we'll see if he gets involved. 26 goals, 12 assists in Belgium last year. Yeah, I just don't want to say any slander against Neil Mappé, one of the most aggressive uh, players in the Premier League. And just to clarify, Neil Mappé, if you listen or if any of your uh, extended party listens, that was my co-host Brian, who had the negative things to say about no true out-and-out <laughs> strikers at Brighton. Please come do at not me, come, bro. Come do at not me. come for me. That's, that's what... That's what uh, that's what um, Maupai would say. Come at me, bro. So I, he'll, he'll at least respect my uh, my mentality. 
Yeah, next one up is the come at me, Armanda Broja, and he's also at 5.5 million, 2% owned. Uh, I think this number is going to tick down as the news that he was rumored to make a transfer move to West Ham is fizzled out. And that's obviously because they've signed this Skamaka guy with a way cooler name. So I actually think that his best chance to be FPL relevant long-term is that he stays at Chelsea. There's less competition for minutes uh, since Kai Havertz, as we touched on, is kind of the solo striker uh, right now on the club. And I think he's going to get that opportunity. So I think there are going to be a lot of uh, prove-it moments for Broja during the course of this season. And he has all the physical traits and tools to make it stick. It's just whether he's going to take advantage of his opportunity at Chelsea. Yeah, totally. He needs to come to grips with just playing in some of these FA Cup matches, early rounds, playing in some of these other competitions and not being an everyday starter. Obviously, he's a young lad who thinks very highly of himself, but if he wants to get first team reps, he has to earn them and he has not earned them quite yet in his young career. But definitely a talent and he showed glimpses last season at Southampton and was in both of our squads, I think, for a couple game weeks. So at 5.5 million, we'll see if he stays at Chelsea or if maybe he even moves to another team in the Premier League. So a wait and see on Brogia. And then let's talk about a few more players here in this bracket. Oh, little, little Joey, little Joey Gellhart for Leeds. 4.5 million pound darling last season. He came out of the kangaroo pouch and he burst onto the scene. He even had a couple game winning goals. But this season, he rises by a milli. No, thank you. Let's move it on bucks and let's talk about the crystal palace trio who i know you specialize in the likes of benteke eduard mateta give us a little session here on what these 5.5 strikers at palace are doing to your mind warp yeah i still have lots of trauma from last season i had multiple swing and misses on i think Edward and Mateta at separate points in the season. So pretty brutal. My therapist has advised me not to dwell uh, too much on these guys and to absolutely have them as a total cross off for this coming FPL season. However, if you were a savage, if you were really looking for punishment and uh, maybe you're into BDSM, I think Mateta would be the pick out of the bunch. Uh, Again, Benteke, Edward, and Mateta, all 5.5 million, all currently under 5% owned. But Mateta, I think, is the young upside pick. He is the most complete of these three players. And we saw him earn a number of starts and runouts at the back half of last season. And he plays really nicely with Olise and with Zaha. So I think. The rotation makes all three of these guys a stay away in all honesty. But if I had to pick one, I'd probably back Mateta. I'm not going to lie. I enjoyed your pain last season. But you, you dick, I, you dickhead. I enjoy, but I enjoyed it too much because I eventually brought Mateta in for some random double game week where then I, I benched him and he did score 10 points in that double game week, which was better than a couple of my starting players. So, an utter disaster at Palace for us last season, but mostly mostly just uh, you to blame there. All right, we got a few more players to talk about. The true budget enablers, the daddies, the 4.5s. You could choose one. You could maybe even choose two and set up in a you know a 4-5-1 or a 5-4-1. That's definitely something that Bucks and I tried a few times last season with some crazy Christmas tree looking uh, formation. So we got Sam Greenwood at Leeds, we got Cameron Archer at Villa, we got Liam Delep at City, and then we have 
Lyle Taylor at Forest. Those are the, the four guys. Um, honestly, Archer has been balling out in preseason. He's got a couple of goals, but um, he probably won't see the light of day on the Villa side. So Sam Greenwood, 26% owned. I just want to flag here that I would go with Archer over Greenwood as your dead player because he's going to be your third bench slot and never come on. At 26% ownership, Greenwood, he could actually drop in price, and then you would be actually you know, really kind of screwed early in the season. So do not go for Greenwood if you have no intention of playing him, which you should not. So listen to us on the FPL Blues podcast. Go with a different uh, 4.5 striker other than Greenwood. The one thing I do want to highlight about this kind of bag of irrelevant budget options, budget enabler forwards is Liam Delop. He is son of a really clinical proven premier league player. And the exciting thing about him is he is a man city player, but there are rumors that he could be getting a transfer move to a team like Southampton. So if that materializes, Holy smokes, he could actually be a regularly playing 4.5 million forward option. So right now, I would not have him in your team because he would be eating up a valuable city position. But I think that he is one to earmark if, in fact, we hear that those rumors are turning into actual reports of a move. So just wanted to double click on the lap. I agree with you. Archer is probably the best one to own. He's 4% owned, so he's not really going to price drop. And yeah, he's... The guy can play. I mean, he has two goals, so guy can play. Yeah, sure. Who knows? Maybe they come on for one point, third on your bench for some reason or the other. But that is the final round of previews. Wow, Bucks, we did it. We previewed the goalies, the defenders, the midfielders, the forwards, and we're one week away from FPL, baby. Let's go. Let's go. One week out. I am super excited. The endorphins are flowing the sweat is pulling down my face as i record this podcast full of joy and glee looking ahead to next weekend where we will finally be watching premier league footy all weekend long sorry family sorry the wedding that i'm going to be at but it's going to be loads of fun i cannot wait that's right so please give us a follow wherever you listen to podcasts we appreciate your support give us a little subscribe, click the button, maybe even play us from time to time, and you will increase your rank this season. You can also catch us on Twitter at FPL Blues Podcast, and the same for Instagram. And Bucks, you know what to share on the way out. Share our code to our free mini league where you'll get shout outs and prizes available if you join us. Yeah, so our mini league code is the number four, M-U-M-S, number two, four mums two. Everyone is involved. This is an equal opportunity podcast. Your mom, your mates, your brother, your sister, your cousin, your puppy, your wife, your hubby, who, whoever you know that plays FPL, we want them in our league. We want them to have the opportunity to win a trophy, win some swag, maybe even get a podcast shout out if they are the top scoring manager in any game week. So get involved. We'd love to have you with us following along this season. It's going to be one to remember and a really exciting chaotic upcoming season of FPL. I can't wait. That's right, baby. Get in there and we'll talk to you very soon with our episodes previewing our final drafts before the madness kicks off on Friday. Thank you for listening.